0: Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you are doing well this week. And for those that celebrated Thanksgiving, I hope you had a great holiday and hope your kids survived. (laughs) Mine did. So that was good. Today, I wanna to talk about Just right OCD. It is a really good topic to go over because surprisingly, 50% of people who have OCD will have this theme. And I talk about this in previous episodes, but OCD has many different themes. And so it can look really different in each person. And I think it's super important for parents and for children to understand all of the different themes. And so I do break them out and I go over each theme in episode 25. So there's eight themes that I kind of go over and I name them and I talk about what they look like. But lately I've been doing podcast episodes on those individual themes to help parents, one, learn more in depth about what that theme is and how it looks in kids, how to spot it early, and then how to help your children with them. So just right OCD, and I would say moral OCD are two of the most OCD themes, probably equally missed among parents. Moral OCD, also known as scrupulosity OCD or religious scrupulosity OCD, uh, we went over that in episode 32. And if you're like, what, what is that? go revisit episode 32 because I am trying to systematically eventually go over all the eight themes in more detail. And so it's all the same thing. It's just different arms of the same beast, but you want to know what your child's themes are so you can help them better. Most kids will have multiple themes, but ironically, well, not really ironically, it's the wrong word. Interestingly, 50% of people in general will have this just right theme. So it's definitely important for every parent to hear. And I also feel like if you have an anxious child and you're not sure about the OCD component, and they're more at risk to have OCD if they have anxiety, this one's missed a lot because I missed it. (laughs) That doesn't really surprise me, but we'll talk about that. But it's just, it doesn't look like OCD in the way that we sometimes think OCD should look. So let's get into it. I'm going to talk about why just right OCD is often just mislabeled as perfectionism. And sometimes it's mislabeled as sensory processing disorder. And sometimes it's mislabeled just as anxiety. And that's too bad because how you would handle a child with perfectionism, purely perfectionism, no OCD is very, very different than how you would treat a child with just right OCD and how you would treat a child who has sensory processing issues is very different than how you would treat a child with just right OCD. So that differential diagnosis is very important. Now, it doesn't mean that they are mutually exclusive. So if I have sensory processing disorder, then I can't have just right OCD or vice versa, or because I'm a perfectionistic person, I can't have just right OCD. That is completely not true. And in fact, you know, with sensory processing and with being a perfectionist, you're more at risk to get anxiety. You're more at risk to get OCD. So there is a lot of overlap, but I think I do see a lot of parents mislabeling behavior as purely in one of those categories and not seeing the OCD part at all. So let's get into it. I'm going to go over first what just right OCD is. And then in the second half of this episode, I'm going to talk to you about how do you parent that because it can be a very frustrating type of OCD to deal with in your home. So let's get started. There are a couple of things that are interesting about Just Right OCD. And the biggest one is that it does not typically or necessarily create anxiety. So a lot of the other themes, in fact, I would have to say all the other themes revolve around feeling anxious. I have a bad thought. I feel really anxious. It might happen. I need to tap two times to make that not happen. Or I'm feeling like I'm going to get sick. I need to wash my hands over and over to make sure that I don't get sick. So anxiety is driving a lot of those compulsive behaviors, but with just right OCD, it's a feeling. It's like a general feeling of incompleteness and that can manifest in a lot of different ways. And I think that's why just right OCD is so confusing because that incomplete feeling can come across in lots of different ways in our lives. And it can look really different. And I'm going to go over a lot of different ways that it presents itself. So it creates more of a tension or a discomfort rather than an anxiety. Now you can get anxious because you're having this uncomfortable feeling, but it's different than a thought that, an obsessive thought that is really upsetting and is causing the anxiety. It's an uncomfortable feeling. Okay, so that's the difference. Some people call this organization OCD, symmetry OCD, or perfectionism OCD. Now I'm separating them out. Well, first of all, just right OCD is a better name for it in general, because even though symmetry OCD is a category of just right OCD, just right OCD is so much more than just symmetry. And in fact, a lot of kids I work with and in my own home, I have kids who have just right OCD and they don't have any symmetry issues. And so it encompasses a lot more than just symmetry and symmetry kind of deserves its own little name because it's its own unique problem. If you haven't seen it, I have a YouTube channel. And so if you go to youtube.com backslash C backslash anxious toddlers, 78, or you just search in YouTube for AT Parenting Survival for All Ages, or you just look at the link on my website or in the show notes. If you're watching, well, not really watching. I always say that if you're listening on iTunes, you can find my YouTube channel. And I come out with YouTube videos every Thursday. I try to get them up on Wednesday, but I say Thursday so that I'm never late. (laughs) My podcasts come out every Tuesday. So Tuesday and Thursday, I have new material So on here, I go in, in very minute detail about different topics. They're normally about 45 to 60 minutes long. And my YouTube videos are very, very short. Sometimes I try to be comical (laughs) and they're, they're like five or five to 15 minutes long, super short. So I do different topics. And if I, so if I make a YouTube video, I am most likely not going to make a podcast about it and vice versa. So you definitely want to check out my YouTube channel because there are completely different topics typically on there. So I did one on Symmetry OCD and I did that one three weeks ago. So it's in my recent activities and I'll leave a link in the show notes as well. But don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel so you don't miss all that. But that goes into Symmetry and I wanted to just say that because this is very related and I'm going to talk about Symmetry Under the umbrella of just right OCD, but I'm also going to move on. So that is another added resource for you on how to help your child with symmetry OCD. So let's start with that one. And then we'll move on because there are so many other different ways that just right OCD pops up. So symmetry OCD is all about balance and completeness. Like we talked about earlier, actually, just like a second ago, this just right OCD theme is all about incompleteness. So in symmetry OCD, just to give you examples, and I'm not gonna hit everything, so please don't email me and let me know that your child has something completely different because there are so many different renditions of any theme of OCD that no two are gonna look exactly alike. And some are actually gonna look very, very similar. And you can be like, oh my gosh, that sounds just like my child. So in broad strokes, they're really similar, but how they're going to play out at your home might be different. So in symmetry OCD, You know, if I hit my elbow, I might have to hit my other elbow to feel balanced. Um, A lot of kids will, if they're grabbing a toy, they'll have to grab it with the other hand as well. It's super subtle and you really wouldn't probably notice it unless one, it's really severe or two, you're looking for it. Once I know a child has symmetry OCD, I see it in everything they do because they're balancing out their body. So they might grab the doorknob when they're leaving my office and then they grab it with the other hand, but it looks kind of natural unless you're really looking for it. And it can be very disruptive because imagine if you have to do everything on both sides of your body, that can be very time consuming. Also, if I hurt myself on one side of my body, I might purposely hurt myself on the other side. And that can be misinterpreted or mislabeled as self-harm or some suicidal ideation when in reality, I burnt my left hand and now my left hand's feeling weird because I'm not having the same sensation on my right hand. And so I need to burn my right hand to feel like now I'm having the same sensation on both sides. So it's very upsetting when parents see children hurting themselves on their other side of their body and most parents wouldn't realize or know that their child has symmetry OCD, so it would be really disturbing behavior. Also, there's like numbers related to symmetry. And so I might have to have even numbers or I might have to have odd numbers. So there can be a number component to it. So I don't, I have a lot I want to cover today. So I'm going to kind of try to keep moving on similar to symmetry. There's also like in just right OCD, there are things that visually just don't look right. So there's a lot of alignment And this is, it could be symmetrical issues, or it could just be like, I'm putting something here, but now it doesn't look right. It just isn't right. You know, and that's why, that's why it's called just right OCD because nothing is just right. And so OCD is physiological. And so there's kind of this brain hiccup that's happening that is making the person feel like something is off when it's not off. And so it's very upsetting and disconcerting to the person. And so they might arrange and rearrange and rearrange furniture or belongings. Um, kids will rearrange their room over and over until it feels just right. So other themes that happen under just right OCD are that things just don't feel clean enough or done enough. And so you'll see kids who will overbrush their teeth until their gums bleed. And sometimes they don't have just right OCD. Sometimes they have contamination OCD and they're worried about really getting all those germs out or, um, maybe rinsing their mouth out. So they don't have toothpaste, which they might perceive as poisonous or mouthwash, which they might perceive as poisonous with just right OCD. It is purely, I don't know when to stop. And so I don't feel like maybe I'm done yet. So I'm going to keep brushing. This can happen with hand washing. I just don't feel like I'm clean yet and so I have to just keep washing. And this happens a lot with wiping. So, you know, when people are toileting, they wipe and they overwipe and they overwipe because they just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel clean enough. Now, where people get confused is they think that when the person says they don't feel clean enough, that it means they've got a germ issue and they've got like a contamination issue. And that's not the case if it's just right OCD, it's just like, there's no off button. And so they're just not getting that message in their brain that they're done grooming, you know, that you're done, you're done brushing your teeth, you're done wiping. We have an off button mentally in our head and people with OCD who have just right OCD, that off button just never gets pressed. So it is important to know the difference because how you're going to do exposures will make a very big difference. So if I'm doing exposures, you know, if I'm doing exposure response prevention, which if you haven't listened to me before, and maybe you're new to the whole idea of OCD, that's ERP, which is a form of cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's really the number one treatment approach for OCD, super effective. And of course I have a video on that (laughs) because why not? I will leave a link in the show notes for my little video on what ERP is so that you can see what that is. But when you're doing exposures to address OCD, you really need to know what theme you're dealing with because you'll be way off. So if I'm going to expose someone to germs because I feel like they overwash their hands and they have just right OCD, and they're only washing their hands over and over because they just don't feel clean, then I'm going to be way off as a therapist. Moving on, I'm going to try to go through these really quickly. And I feel like I'm actually doing a lecture today (laughs) instead of like talking to you, like I normally do, but I really want to be able to get all this information in without going over an hour. So another theme in just right OCD are like words that are spoken or written. They don't feel right. So now we're moving into things that could be misconstrued as perfectionism. Now people who have just right OCD do tend to have perfectionism. That is a component, but then you kind of have to wonder whether it's the chicken or the egg thing, because a lot of times they're trying to be perfect, not because of all the reasons that I see in my office for kids who have perfectionism. They want, um, to make you proud. They want to be perfect. They want to be the best they can be. They're very competitive. They want to succeed. Like there's a lot of personality traits that come with perfectionism, but with just right OCD, they want things perfect, but they want them perfect because they don't feel right until they're perfect. They're unsettled. There's a disconcerting feeling. It kind of reminds me of like, um, have you ever had restless leg syndrome? <laughs> why? Yes. Thank you. I have too. I, I get that. And I don't know why I get that. I don't, I got it a lot while I've was pregnant and I was pregnant three times. So I've had it a lot in my life, but even like now I find that I have it sometimes. And it's this just really uncomfortable feeling like my leg has to move and I feel unsettled and it's hard to kind of just sit there and just write OCD. I'm sure on a very different level, cause I don't have just right OCD. So I'm just guessing probably feels like that just very unsettled. So that's different. If I write my sentences and they go above the line on the paper and I want to erase it and rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it until it's not touching either the top or the bottom line. And I'm doing it because I want it to look perfect and I want it to look perfect because otherwise I'm not going to feel okay. I'm going to feel uncomfortable. That's different than the person who's a perfectionist and wants it to look perfect so that she can please her teacher So that she can be perfect and so that she's never making any mistakes. So you could be both. You could, you can definitely be both. And probably you have more of a likelihood to be both, to want to impress people, but also have just right OCD, or you can just have just right OCD. And you really could care less about what people think or what your teacher thinks, or even your grades, but you want it to feel right. So I just want to educate you on that because a lot of times they're misdiagnosed with perfectionism And really the OCD is missed and it's not treated and it's dealt with in a totally different way. So if I have just right OCD, I might say to you, what's the definition of that word? Can you say that again? Wait, I don't think I know what that word means. Can you tell me what that means? And the parent might be like, oh my gosh, of course, you know, that word, we we just went over it. And they'll be like, well, I'm not sure if I know it. Or they might have to read and reread and reread their homework or books because they're not sure if they missed a word. That's a sign of just right OCD. Or they might feel like you're not completely understanding them. So they're very, very particular with the words they use and they might constantly correct you and say, no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. I meant this. And they might even correct you. I have some kids in my office who come and see me and they correct my language. If they feel like I used the wrong word I have one girl and she always corrects my words. She has just right OCD. And she'll say, Natasha, I think you meant to use blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, no, thank you. But I can use my words and you can use your words. And your just right. OCD can't tell me how to talk. And we'll get into it a little bit later, but that's kind of how I talk to kids who have just right OCD. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to their just right OCD, but that child gets misconstrued a lot at school. It can, and actually by her family. It can appear rude. It can sound like a very bratty, know-it-all kind of person who maybe is a perfectionistic person and wants to correct everybody in anything that comes in her way. When in reality, when you have just right OCD, you're unsettled until you feel like people use the correct words all the time. With just right OCD, not only do some kids worry about how They sound how you sound, how they're reading things or how they're writing things, but they also have a really hard time even with how they hear things like instruments. And so some of these kids will have a really big meltdown when they're practicing piano or flute or whatever instrument, because with the just right OCD, something sounds off. So it'd be kind of like hearing it out of tune, even though everybody else is hearing it. And it sounds fine. So, really, really frustrating. Moving on, there's other things that happen that are completely different with just right OCD. Some people have to do actions over and over again. So, they'll sit up, they'll sit down, they'll sit up, they'll sit down. They'll go through a door, they'll go back, they'll go through a door again. Now, sometimes, I mean, this is the hard thing about OCD is, you know, I might have to go through the door three times because three is my, you know, OCD number. And if I don't do it three times, then, you know, maybe my family will die. And so that's more magical thinking. And that is not just right OCD. Uh, Or maybe I have to sit up and sit down, you know, two times because two is my number. But if I have to go through a door until it just feels right, now I'm in just right OCD. Now to make things confusing, you can have, and you probably will have multiple different themes with your kids. And so they're not going to just have just right OCD. So they do overlap and it really doesn't matter. OCD is OCD and, you know, treating OCD with ERP is what you're going to do no matter what, but it really does matter to me as a therapist, what theme it is, because ERP is going to look different. I'm going to trigger you in a different way, depending on what your theme is. And I always motivate parents in my practice and on my online classes to, to do ERP at home and to set up exposure challenges at home. And really the crux of my class is to teach you all about OCD and what it is and all the themes and how you can be a good parent to a child with OCD and things that you can do that don't seem like typical parenting approaches, but would really help. But in part seven of this nine part class is all about ERP and setting up challenges and setting up Uh, challenge ladders and coming up with different ways to do these things at home. And if you don't know what type of OCD theme you're dealing with, you're going to struggle with that. So people, some students who take the class, they'll email me and anyone who takes the class can email me and get ongoing support while they're taking the class. And they'll say, I don't know how to, to do a challenge for this, or I'm doing a challenge for this, but it doesn't seem like it's really upsetting or triggering my child And then we'll have a little bit of an email dialogue about it. And I'll say, I think it's because you have the wrong theme. I think you're, you're focusing on maybe contamination OCD, and it's really just right OCD. So here's what I would do. So that is how I would instruct somebody. And that's why it's so important to figure out what theme, because sometimes parents will say, I get two responses. Sometimes they'll say, why does it even matter? Like, None of it makes sense. It's all nonsensical. It's all driving me nuts. It's all driving my family nuts. It's driving my kid nuts. Like how do I just treat this? And on the other end of the spectrum, I have people who are like, "Oh my gosh, my child has symmetry OCD and they have just right OCD," which is, you know, very similar. They symmetry OCD is a component of just right OCD. And I have they have harm OCD and they have contamination OCD. My child has OCD really bad. And it's really not, it's just you're very good at knowing what themes your child is suffering with, which will really help when you're doing your exposure challenges. Because, really, in my opinion, a therapist is wonderful and should help guide you, but the bulk of the work can really happen at home if it's a stable environment and you're willing to educate yourself on how to do it. And I say this from my own personal experience because, you know, I took my son to a therapist. Because I wanted him to have a professional outside of me because I'm just mom, but really I found that doing exposures at home were better because I knew him better and I could read him better and I can you know continue to work on them without having to wait for my next appointment. So go and talk to your therapist and and get their support and have have them help you. But learning this stuff yourself is really the best thing you can do as a parent, and I say that as a mom and as a therapist. So I have. Both hats on when I'm telling you that. (laughs) That was kind of a tangent. All right, back to other different things that happen. This is the sensory processing disorder component of just right OCD. So, and for those of you that have kids with SPD and you just are listening to this because you're like, oh gosh, I don't want to miss, you know, something else like OCD. I'm sorry that you've had to wait 24 minutes for me to talk about this. (laughs) I just realized I should have put that in the front, and you're probably like, yeah, you should have. I apologize, but a lot of times parents will say, oh, you know, he's been diagnosed with sensory processing disorder. And the only thing that the child is having a problem with is maybe wanting to tighten one shoe and then wanting to feel the same sensation on the other foot. And because that sounds very much like a sensory processing issue, a lot of people who maybe don't really understand OCD or the depth of OCD mislabel that. And so sometimes people want that part perfectly straight on their hair and they might be mislabeled as perfectionistic. Or sometimes I'm going to want my sleeve to be just as long as my other sleeve, or I want it to hit my arm just the same way as my other arm. And I'm going to tie and untie and tie and untie my shoelaces because I want them to feel tight. But The difference between SPD, sensory processing disorder, and just right OCD is I want both feet to feel identical. And so I have a child with OCD and I have a child with SPD and they both have similar issues, but they are different. So I could have one child and nothing felt right on her feet. She would complain and it would feel uncomfortable, but it wasn't about balancing. It was just, oh, they're too tight ah, oh, they're too loose. It drove me nuts. It was so difficult, but it wasn't about balancing versus my other child. Well, he doesn't really do anything with his shoelaces. Thank goodness. Cause that would be really exhausting, but he has other just right symptoms and kids who have just right symptoms that mimic sensory processing tend to be where they're trying to get the same sensation. And you want to say to them, what's bothering you the most, And if they're starting to say things like, well, my left foot feels tighter than my right, my right foot feels tighter than my left, you know, and so it's a balancing issue and they're not having any other sensory processing issues. And I think that's kind of key because even if you have SPD, you might just feel uncomfortable because one foot feels tighter than the other. And so that might be a component, but you're also going to have other sensory issues. You might have a problem with tags. You might have a problem with socks. You might have a problem with other things that are not about balancing. And you know, my hair is too tight. My hair is too loose, but it's not like my hair needs to be perfect on one side and perfect on the other, or my pigtails have to be perfectly aligned. So one has to be a certain height and the other one has to match that height. That is just right OCD and not necessarily sensory. So there is a big overlap. It is super confusing, but sometimes I cringe when I hear people say things in my practice or even on my private Facebook group, when someone will say something about their shoes being too tight or too loose or something. And people are quick to say, oh, that's, that's sensory processing. And it's like, well, gosh, you know, I don't know. That could also be just right OCD. So you kind of want to look at all the other behaviors are all the other behaviors sensory or are all the other behaviors, some of the stuff that I'm about to talk about. Well, I'm in the middle of talking about So you want to take a closer look. Okay. Moving on. Another component of just right OCD is difficulty making decisions. So no answer feels just right. Also, kids will do things really slowly to avoid making a mistake. And so you'll see things taking forever and maybe they are not finishing their essay assignments at school because they're not finding the right word or their homework and their school assignments are not getting done because they're going very slowly. So they don't make a mistake. And that can be perceived as a perfectionism problem. But if they're having a lot of these other issues, then it is more likely just right OCD. They will overlap. And so I don't think you want to get stuck on is that perfectionism or is that, just right OCD. You can have a child with both and that is completely okay. But I think that you just want to delve deeper with your child and ask my most favorite thing to ask, which is what's the worst thing that will happen if you make a mistake or what's the worst thing that will happen if your words get over the line, you know, and if the answer is something like, it's just not going to look right. A lot of times kids will use the just right explanation in their sentence it just won't feel right. It just won't look right. It just doesn't sound right. When it's perfectionism, you're going to hear more things like, I want it to look good. I want people to think that I'm smart, or I want you know, it to be the best that it can be. You're going to get more perfectionism type of responses. And so it might be different for different types of behaviors. So some behaviors that your child's having might be perfectionism, but you don't want to miss the just right component. So with all of this, How do you help? How do you help a child who has just right OCD? Now, a lot of those behaviors look really different. And so the approaches are gonna be different for each one of those. And I will go over them up next after the break. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Welcome back. So like everything else I talk about with OCD, the best way to help a child with OCD is through ERP, exposure response prevention. And I can't say that enough because it's so incredibly effective. So if you're like, I don't know what she's talking about, watch that video that I talked about And I also think that before you start helping your child, you want to educate your child on what OCD is. That's so incredibly important because this is their battle, not yours. And I talk a lot about that in my class, how you have to kind of exonerate yourself from the responsibility of your child's mental health and that you realize that you're a coach, you're a coach and you're a support, but you're not the one in the driver's seat. And I say this all the time in my anxiety class, in my OCD class, in my private Facebook group, in my private practice, I'm constantly telling parents, this is your child's journey, not yours. And you are there to help them and support them and provide them with all the tools that they can. But ultimately this is their deal. And you want them to feel that you want them to feel like they, that you've got their back and you're there to support them and lead them and coach them. But ultimately they have to do the work. And if they choose not to, you can't force them to, which is really frustrating as a parent. I totally get that. So the first step in helping your child with any type of OCD, including just right OCD is to educate them. Hey, this is what OCD is now, because I recommend that all the time for my class. I did make a video to show kids to describe what OCD is because I thought that was so important for kids to understand what OCD is. And I really didn't find any other great kid-friendly videos on YouTube that explain OCD in a very simple sort of way. I went ahead and I made the video that explains OCD to kids directly. I just put it out there on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, so that you don't have to take my class in order to see that. So if you have a child and you're like, I don't know how to explain OCD to them, show them this little video. And I show the kids in my practice, this video, and it's part of my class as well, my online class. And I would start with that. And there's also some really great books on OCD, uh, what to do when your brain gets stuck. And actually Dawn Huebner has come out with a new one and it's called outsmarting worry. Did have the opportunity to interview her on episode 41 And if you hadn't, if you didn't hear that episode, you go back and listen to it where we talk about how to parent a child with anxiety and OCD, but her new book is actually really good. It's not specifically for OCD, but she does go into anxiety and OCD. She doesn't really name it OCD and I'm not sure why she doesn't, but in general, she does talk about ERP in the book and some other things. And so I found it to be very appropriate for both anxiety and OCD. So check that out. If you have an older child and you want something a little bit more than my video to help your child understand it. Now in my class, I also made a second video. I create this thing called the OCD game. And I teach you how to teach your kids how to play this OCD game in their head and like the language to use. And I do have another video, but it's only in my class where it explains it directly to kids. This is what the OCD game is. And this is how you play. And On level five, because I make it like it's a video game, there's different levels to beat OCD. And on level five, which is the ultimate and most powerful level, the child can do challenges. And I use the word challenges, but really what I'm talking about are exposures for, I'm, I'm really talking about ERP. So there is that. So you wanna explain to your child what ERP is and how it works before you actually begin. Now, I'm telling you all of this because everything I'm going to suggest is more of an ERP type of approach. And you really want your child to do this. You can't force them to do this. A lot of times parents will kind of say to me things like, well, I'm going to just, you know, lock the door or I'm going to just, you know, get rid of all the soap or I'm going to get rid of all the toilet paper. And yeah, that might solve the problem for a little while, but it's really just a band-aid on the bigger problem you want your child to be motivated to fix their own issues because they don't want to deal with their OCD. That's a totally different topic. And actually about a month ago, I did a Facebook live on No CDs Facebook page and and then um it was all about how to help kids with OCD even when they don't want help. And so if you have a child, if you're hearing me say all this and you're like, "My child doesn't want help. So now what am I supposed to do?" So what I did was I pulled it from the Facebook live and I made it a YouTube video. So the quality isn't as good as my other videos, but if you go and just look at um, recent activities and you can look at all my videos, you're gonna see it, it's about a month ago and it's called how to help kids with OCD even when they don't want help. So go look at that if you're kind of like shaking your head at me talking, saying, I don't know, my kid's not gonna do this. So it's really annoying, but let's talk about some approaches. So with Symmetry OCD, you want, you can encourage them. And I'm going to say the word encourage because you can't force your kids to do these things, but you can say, you know, make things uneven. So if you hit your elbow, don't hit your other side. Or, um, in my office we'll do challenges and I'll say, let's purposely hit your elbow and really upset your OCD. And then don't hit the other side. So we'll do exposures that way. Or we'll say, let's use odd numbers instead of even ones. So every time your OCD is saying, Hey, you know what? You need to do that four more times to make it even. Then you purposely do five. And this is partly what I talk about in my class when I talk about uh, level four. So I do these different levels. And so in level four, I talk about doing the opposite or doing it differently than what your OCD wants. And we name it and we make it goofy. So you know, if Mr. Bossy wants you to do it 2 times, then you really annoy Mr. Bossy and you say, "You know what? I'm going to always do it 3 times." So you teach your kids, Mr. Bossy is not the boss of you. And he's a big bully and you can bully him back by making him uncomfortable. And the way you can make him uncomfortable is by doing it differently. Uh sometimes like when kids are in my office and we're doing exposures, I have those mermaid pillows. I don't know if you know what they are, but they're like sequins and I will you know, purposely have them mess it up and not be even, and then they have to leave my room. And for some, that's a very upsetting process to do, and it's a great exposure. So for kids that are having a hard time shutting off their brain when they're brushing their teeth or they're washing their hands, you could set a timer, and that really wouldn't work when we're talking about contamination OCD, but giving their brain... That message externally that it's time to finish can be really helpful. So, setting timers so that they're in control and they can boss back their Mr. Bossy and say, You know what, the timer went off. So, that's two minutes. And so, I'm, I'm going to be done. I don't care if you're telling me that my teeth still don't feel clean enough. The timer says that I'm done. So, you can do that for that type of issue. For over wiping, over wiping can be super hard. And that was the area that I completely missed because that was one of the first symptoms of one of my children. And I, I just didn't see it because they didn't have OCD at the time. And we were getting a lot of toilet paper. We were getting a lot of clogs and, and then toilet paper in the trash can. And I'm like, what is going on? And it took me a while to figure things out. And so what I did is I said, five sheets is normal people use about five to six sheets. And so let's try to use five to six sheets. Um, We also moved to wipes and I said one or two wipes, no more. And it took a really long time and we made it a game and there were prizes. So if I didn't see a, a clogged toilet and only five sheets were used and there was nothing in the trash can, there were prizes that were given each day. And that helped it did take a really long time, but that did help the over wiping and then we moved on to another problem. <laughs> that's kind of how it goes. um If your child has to write perfectly, have them write over the line on purpose. that can help if they have to ask for clarification um you know if they're reading and they have to get some clarification on a word then you can make like the OCD, you can make OCD bug cards, you know, so if OCD is bugging you, you can use one of the OCD bug cards, but when you're out, you're out and I'm not going to answer anymore. And you can use that technique for a lot of different OCD themes. Um, That would actually work really well for moral OCD as well, or any reassurance type of compulsion is an OCD bug card. So just make them print them out and then start at whatever number you think is reasonable. And then maybe the next week you're like, you know what? I think that we can have maybe, I don't know, five OCD bug cards per day. And then I think you can have four OCD bug cards and you just go down from there. When it comes to how they look, you can purposely tighten one shoe, but not the other and get them to kind of acclimate to the feeling of being imbalanced. Now you wouldn't do this without letting them know. So with all the things I just talked about, and those are just some ideas, I just want to leave you with some ideas, you know, part of treating OCD, even as a parent and a therapist is being really creative. So it's kind of why I love treating OCD because it's different than treating any other mental health condition. When you're doing ERP and you're kind of trying to come up with ways to poke at the OCD and trigger the OCD, the more creativity the better, which is kind of kind of a challenge I like because it's like, what can I do to provoke this that will help you defeat it? And that can be very empowering to kids because a lot of times when I have kids in my practice, I will encourage them to come up with their own exposure challenges because I want them to learn. And I And I teach this in my class too. Like I want you to teach your kids to learn how to be the author of their own treatment. And that's what I always say to kids in my practice. I want you to, to leave here and not just conquer OCD at 10 years old, but I want you to be 25 and say, Hmm, what level do I need to be doing? Um, let me see. Should I do a level three or level four? Like, I want you to be playing the OCD game all the time in your head. I want you to be really aware of it because OCD waxes and wanes. And so you're going to have a couple of years where OCD's not bothering you. And then it might rear its ugly head again. And you don't have to start from scratch. You can say, oh, I totally have the skills to, to defeat this. And let me go back to my levels. I talk in levels because that's what I teach in my class, but there's lots of other verbiage out there that is different than my weird little OCD game language. But the whole point is you want to empower your kids. So come up with wacky, different exposure techniques. The main goal is to try to do the opposite of what the Just Right OCD is wanting. So I hope that helps a little bit in helping differentiate what OCD is versus perfectionism or sensory processing and some ideas on what to do with the kids that have just right OCD, because it is not fun for the child and it's not fun for the parents either. So I hope you're having an amazing week. I do want to thank anyone who has left a review, and if you haven't, if you can take the one second, literally the one second that it would take you to hit a star on iTunes. There are stars under the name of the podcast. You just hit it and you don't even have to leave a review. If you're feeling completely giving, I love reading reviews. It makes me feel like my work is serving a purpose. And so if you have the time to leave a review, it's nice to leave a review on iTunes because. Not only am I seeing it, but other parents who may not know what is a good podcast and what is not a good podcast can read it and get your own feedback from you. If you haven't already, please hit subscribe because you will automatically get these podcasts. And that way you can hear me every Tuesday. And if you haven't already subscribe to my YouTube channel, because those are pretty much the two places that I hang out. You can always visit my website at anxioustoddlerstoteens.com. And I have tons of old articles because I used to write three times a week. And then I have moved on to podcasts and YouTube videos because I kind of think they're more fun, but I have hundreds and hundreds of articles that I've written that I started in 2015 that are on my website. So you can visit anxioustoddlerstoteens.com, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and I will see you next Tuesday or over on YouTube on Thursday. Take care and have a wonderful day. I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. Bye. Thank you for listening to AD Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.